We've been talking about seeking God with all of our heart because that's what God deserves. And that's what God wants. A God who gave everything for us. Everything. He became God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He poured out his life for us. He yielded it for you, for every one of us he did. And that's how much he loves us. And that kind of God that came from heaven, left heaven's throne to come down to earth, to live among us and to suffer as he suffered and to die as he died and to take on all the sins of the world, the Bible says, all at once on the cross to suffer the wrath of God for us in our place. That kind of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, that kind of God deserves. He wants us. He desires for us to draw near to him and to love him and to seek him with all of our heart. Charles Stanley said, we do not tend to forget what we really love. We don't tend to forget what we really love. What captures our hearts, he says, also tends to capture our time and our energy. Have you noticed that? Whatever has your heart right now probably has your attention right now. Whatever has your heart right now captures your energy throughout the week. Charles Stanley goes on to say, God wants an intimate relationship with us not just a place on our schedules. Not just a place on our schedules. Not just to check it off on Sunday morning. Went to church. Not just to check it off first thing in the morning. Read my Bible. Yes, you should be reading your Bible. Yes, you should be attending church, but not just a place on our schedule. He wants that daily, moment-by-moment moment relationship. We're to seek God with all of our heart. That's what uh, David talked about in Psalm 119 and verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. And verse 10, he says, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. We're to seek God with our whole heart. Remember, that's the phrase we're looking at, with all my heart. And that phrase is connected to seven different things throughout Scripture. The first one is love God with all your heart. The second one we've been considering for several weeks, and I'll wrap up today, is, is to seek God with all your heart. And he says we're to, when we don't, we tend to wander from his ways. And we default to the dictates of our own heart. Turn with me, I don't have these on the screen, but if you would turn to Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah, chapter 7. If you want to know where he is, that's about where he is. <laughs> go to Psalms and take a right. All right? Jeremiah, go to chapter 7. I'm going to show you from several chapters in Jeremiah what happens when we don't seek God with all of our heart. We wander from God. Let me tell you what. You're either moving forward towards God or you're moving backwards. You're not neutral. You're not neutral. If you're not drawing closer to God, you're drifting from Him, period. Here's what the Bible says, Jeremiah 7, verse 24. God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to his wayward people. Yet 
they did not obey or incline their ear. They didn't give their ear to God, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their own evil hearts and went what? Backward and not what? Forward. You're moving forward towards God or you're moving backwards away from God. You're not in neutral. Do not be deceived. And boat on a river or in the ocean whose motor has died and no longer can propel itself forward is just drifting in the tides and moving further and further from where they ought to be. Jeremiah chapter 11 Turn a few pages over to chapter 11 and look at verse 8. Again, God speaking about his wayward people. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but they have not done. They kept following the dictates of their own heart. Chapter 13 and verse 10 if you will, turn the page and look at chapter 13, verse 10. This evil people who refuse to hear my words. You know, every time you don't, you say, I don't need to read my Bible today. I don't need to pray today. I don't need to spend time with God today. You're refusing. It's an outward, it's an outright rebellion against God. I don't need you today, God. I don't have to talk to you today. I don't need to hear from you today. I'm going to refuse you. I'm going to stiff arm you. And that's what God is talking about to his people. He said, they refuse to hear my words and they follow the dictates of their hearts. And they walk after other gods to serve them and worship them. In other words, if you're not following God, you're following somebody. Or you're following something. And then he says in chapter eight, uh, 16, verse 12... Turn a couple of pages again. I think we're picking up a theme here. That God is pretty disgusted with his people. Not just then, but probably some today. He says, and you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. Remember last week or week before we talked about one of the strategies of seeking God was listening to God. And when we're not listening to God, we're listening to our own evil hearts. And we wander from God. Look at chapter 18, if you would, in verse 12. And here's, God has been speaking to his children. Now his children say this. This is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. You see the rebellion? It's they are saying now to God. It's not God saying to them any longer. It's them saying to God, we're going to do what we want to do. Shut up, God. That's what we're saying when we don't listen to God, when we don't seek God, when we don't open his word, we don't spend time with God. We're telling God to shut up. We're going to live our life the way we want to live it. You have no input. That's why God had to send them into captivity. Seventy years in a foreign pagan land. Do you wonder why we're living in a pagan land today? Do you wonder why our morals have gone where they have gone in this nation? Do you wonder why the God is no longer feared in this nation and we have rulers who are not faithful to God and his word? Could it be 
Because God's people haven't followed and sought after God with their whole heart. But see, we want to blame the world. It's the world's fault. He says it one more time in chapter 23 and verse 17. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own evil heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. So what is he saying here? God is telling Jeremiah that there's some false prophets out there. There's some preachers out there who are saying, oh, it's okay. You're only human. Just do what you think comes natural. God will bless you with peace. Hey, listen, don't think that when I speak that peace over us every Sunday at the end of the service, that that's going to happen to you if you live in evil. God's blessing, God's countenance will not be lifted upon you if you're living in evil and if you're rejecting God and living apart from Him throughout the week. If Sunday morning is your, own, your only spiritual experience, God's blessing and peace is not going to be upon you. And that's what these preachers were saying. And Jer- God called them out. He said, there's some preachers who are saying, you can keep following the dictates of your own evil heart and God's going to bless you. God's going to honor you. God's going to reward you. And see, we like preachers to tell us that because then we can live however we want. This message is hard because you don't want to hear that. We want to think we're doing okay. So our strategy, if we're seeking God with all of our heart today, is the most difficult probably one to follow through on. You say, isn't listening to God more difficult? Isn't acknowledging his sovereignty more difficult? Yes, it, it, it can be challenging, but here's... Today, the strategy is, in order to seek the Lord, we need to wait on the Lord. Wait. Oh, how we hate to wait. Hebrews 11.6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he is. And... That he is a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently. How do they seek him? Diligently. They spend time, energy seeking God. You remember what Charles Stanley said? We do not tend to forget what we really love. What captures our heart captures our time and our attention and our energy. And if God is the love of your heart then you have no problems diligently seeking him. Listen to Psalm 27, verse 14. I saw someone had posted this on Facebook this week. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why should we wait on the Lord? Go back to verse 1. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the one who shines the light for me to walk in. The Lord is the one who saved me. The Lord, he said, is the strength of my life. I cannot live without his strength. Charles Stanley says this, Fruit takes a long time to mature. And the one who wants to bring it forth in our lives knows exactly how long we need to wait. Waiting makes possible the most luscious fruit of all. God wants us to learn how to wait. And often, 
One author said, this is, by the way, in the word for you today, the little devotional that we hand out here from October the 6th, said, often what God does in you while you are waiting is more important than the thing you're waiting for. Say it one, let me say it one more time. Often what God does in you while you're waiting is more important than the thing you're waiting for. God wants us to wait because he is working in us, preparing us for what's to come. You remember Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, actually all towards the end of his life, we read in John 14, 15, and 16, he introduced the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked about him last week? And Jesus tells them that just before he ascends, he says, you know, I want you to do this. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to make disciples of all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are things I want you to do, but wait. 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 Wait in Jerusalem. Wait on the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. Don't move a muscle. And so what did they do? We read in Acts chapter 1 that the 120 disciples, they were gathered in the upper room. And what were they doing? They were seeking God. They were praying. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began to speak, preach. People heard in their own language and came to know the Lord. You see, they waited. And God honored so our strategy is to wait on the Lord. I know how hard it is to wait. I hate to wait. Think about how you hate to wait. How is that manifested in your life? Red lights. How many of you really stop at a stop sign? I mean, my daddy drilled this in our heads, but it, I had a leak. But my daddy, and if he were here today, he was here last week, so I didn't tell this story last week. But anyway... Uh, my dad's philosophy of coming to a stop sign is you stop, and you hadn't stopped until you rocked back. Oh, it takes so long to rock back. <laughs> it takes too long, Dad. Just, you know, nothing's coming. Just, you don't have to rock back. In fact, y'all know that story I've told you before. I, got, I was on my way to church when Andrew was a little boy, and we were in Louisiana, and I came up to that stop sign, and I didn't want to rock back, so I just kept on going. Well, I got pulled over on my way to church um, and got a ticket. So I hate to wait. Grocery store lines. You hate to wait. Microwaves. We hate to wear evidence of our hating to wait. You name it. There's all kinds of things that, that we get frustrated at. We're very impatient people. We live in an instant Society, we want instant gratification, instant information, instant everything. And when it comes, we translate that to our walk with God. And that is not how we can walk with God. You cannot walk with God with that mentality. You will be disappointed, you will be disillusioned, and you will be misled. Because you will end up doing what the Israelites did. You will end up following the dictates of your own heart. Why? Because you never heard from God. Why did you never hear from God? Because you didn't take the time to listen to him. And what will happen is you will end up in trouble, heartache, making stupid mistakes because you didn't wait on the Lord. Our 
goal is to seek God with all of our heart. Our strategy is to wait on the Lord. So here's an action plan. I want you to this week, I want you to begin today, even during our, this time, and especially during our invitation, to think about carving out some time and even making a commitment to carve out some time every day where you, here's the action plan, take time to be still and quiet before God. Be still and quiet before God. Still. That's something we don't know much about either. The only time many people are still is when they're sound asleep. The only time people are quiet is when they're sound asleep. And then if you're a snorer, well, there, there goes that. Still and quiet before God. You turn off your cell phone. You know, I've noticed something. It was brought to my attention during the Life Action Revival. Is, you know, we, we open our Bibles. We have our cup of coffee. And what's usually over here on the left? Our cell phone. And it's on. And we're reading our Bible and we're trying to pray. But that thing goes... And what do we do? Oh, yeah, I, I need to answer that. Okay. And then we get involved in this long conversation. Before long, we forgot about our time with God. Put your cell phone on the back of the toilet. <laughs> or in the back of the toilet. <laughs> and then go to your quiet place and have your time alone with God. It can wait. There ain't nothing more important than your time with God. Nothing. And every time you put God on hold to answer old Joe Blow or Susie Q, then you've told God, God, that's more important than me hearing from you. That's more important than me talking to you. That's more important than me seeking you. Being still and being quiet. Get the earphones out of your ears. Listen to God. You say, is he going to speak audibly? Probably not. But you don't have to have any kind of input other than what God wants to download to you or upload uh, from you as you talk to him. Take time this week to be still, to be quiet. That's going to require some sacrifice. Some adjustment in your schedule. Some of you got your schedule so cram-packed that you don't have time for God. You don't have time to read your Bible. You don't have time to pray. How sad commentary that is for the people of God. And so how are you then making decisions? How do you then even know what to do, where to go? You're just the blind leading the blind. What happens again to the blind leading the blind? They both fall in the ditch. Or you're just going through the motions. How is it the people of God can say, I don't have time for you, Lord? What is it then that's more important? What idols are there in your life that's more important than time alone with God? What idols are there in your life that you're going to have to burn down? Not just set them aside, but destroy them. Or some of them reprioritize. Not idols, but your schedule. Sometimes you have, to re you have to tear down the idols, but you have to reprioritize your schedule. 
See, that's what happened to Israel, is they had time to worship. They had time to pray. But as I just read you, they were spending time worshiping idols. Baal and others, sacrificing even their own children in the fire. How would somebody come to that point where they would burn their own child to false god? Kind of the same way we let our children burn up on Facebook or burn up on cell phone or burn up on a tablet. We let them burn up their time and burn up their devotion and burn up their energy. And we do the same thing. How do they get that? Well, they saw us doing it. Burn up on the television. Burn up on this. And they don't see us in the Word. They don't see mom and dad making a priority. We don't instruct our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We just let them go. We're sacrificing a whole generation. We're not teaching our children and our grandchildren how to seek and follow the Lord. We're letting them follow the dictates of their own hearts. That leads to ruin. We've got to be intentional about this, moms and dads and grandparents. We've got to be intentional about this for our own sake, for our own lives, but also that for our children. It's not a whole lot of difference. A physical life being burned up in a fire before they're even old enough to know God, that's tragic. But the spirit of a grown child who is old enough to know God and doesn't and dies that way is even more tragic because they've never been led. You see, we've got to be intentional. We're going to wait on the Lord and seek the Lord with all of our heart. So we've got to take time. We've got to model that for our kids. We've got to get our, gather our families together and teach them how to, to slow down, to turn off the television, to turn off our cell phones and, and spend time with the Lord. Psalm 37, 7, uh, he says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Proverbs 19, verse 2. The Bible says, He sins who hastens with his feet. It's not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. In other words, we don't want to take time to be still. We want to make a quick decision. We want to move from this thing that we need to do, get it checked off the list so we can move to this thing that we need to do, get it checked off the list so we can get this thing done so we can check it off the list and we keep moving down the list. And we just hasten. We're just trying to get through it. We're just trying to finish our... We're task-oriented people. And... Along the way, we don't, it doesn't even cross our minds to think to ask God, Lord, what about this task on my to-do list? What, what would you have me to do? And, and am I stopping long enough to hear God answer that question? No, because we've got to move through that list. I wonder how much sin has been committed because we got hasty. We had to get it done. Check it off the list. Move on. We don't, have a, we don't have time, Lord, to wait on you. We don't have time to seek you like that. We're busy people. They weren't busy back in those days. We're busy today. You think God's going to take that for an excuse? Of course not. 
course not. Try that with your school teachers. Too busy to do my homework. What you going to get? An F. Try that with your boss. Oh, I was too busy to get that project done. What you going to get? An F-I-R-E-D. <laughs> but we do it with God all the time. We put God on the side burner or the back burner, and we put our boss and our teachers and, and everything else up there. Priority. Priority number one. Wow, God must be grieved. How many of you like Isaiah 40, 31? How many of you even know what it says? Put you on the spot. Most of you, as soon as I said that phrase, you thought, yes, soaring on wings like eagles. Let me read it for you, though. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Is that a promise, or is that a maybe, or is that just good stuff, or is that real? It's a real promise. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as Eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We get so stressed out because our schedules don't go the way we think they ought to go. And they don't go the way we think we ought to, they ought to go because we don't wait on the Lord. Because eagles aren't worried about all the distractions and all the uh, obstacles of land-dwelling animals. They're soaring above it. And God says, you can be like that if you will learn to wait on me. You will run and not be weary. Yes, you will be able to do the task that God wants you to do. You will be able to accomplish the things that God has for you to accomplish. You will walk and not faint. You can live a stress free or limit a very limited stressful life you don't have to go through all this pulling your hair out every day get being so impatient all the time upset uptight but you know we're we're more like the ostrich let me read you about the ostrich you know it's in the bible there's a lot of things in the bible job 39 13 the wings of the ostrich wave proudly. Have you ever seen an ostrich? That's one ugly bird. But it's a big bird, ain't it? Sesame Street ain't got nothing on what God did. That's a big bird. Got big, majestic, proud wings. But her wings and pinions are like the kindly storks. She leaves her eggs on the ground. An ostrich lays her eggs on the ground, and she warms them in the dust. You know, an ostrich doesn't sit on, her egg, on an egg, her egg. There's a good reason. She would crush it. Yes, an ostrich egg is pretty thick and pr pretty sturdy, but she, her weight, would crush it. Verse 15, she forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern. I wonder how much of our labor is in vain. Because, verse 17, God deprived her of wisdom. 
and did not endow her with understanding. You see, what happens is we're like the stupid ostrich. We have no wisdom from God, but we keep on doing the same old things and expecting life to get better, and it doesn't. That's stupid. God's deprived us of wisdom. Why? <laughs> because we don't stop and ask him for it. We don't wait before him. And so we just go through life. Oh, yeah, we got big, majestic wings. We look like we can fly, but we're earthbound. We're stupid and stuck because we have not and refuse to take the time to be still and quiet before God. It's a sin to not be busy. The house is collecting dust. The clothes have piled up. The homework has to get done. That business has to be run. The yard must be raked. The gutters must be cleaned out. The car needs to be washed. We have a list on and on and on and on. And God is nowhere on it. Maybe at the bottom. Rarely at the top or everywhere in between. Be like an eagle. Learn to wait on the Lord and soar or you can be like a stupid ostrich. Look good, but deprived of wisdom. Isaiah 64, 4. God says through the prophet Isaiah, Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. How many of you would say, I want God on my side. I want God to act for me. I want God to reward me. I want God to direct me and prosper my way. I doubt there's a person here today that would say, nah, I don't want that. I think all of us today would say, yes, I want that. Well, God's giving you and I the secret. Great reward. Great blessing. Great wisdom and God's activity in your life comes to the one who waits for him. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. By the grace of God, may you and I be that one. Each week in the last several weeks, I've led us to make a commitment, a covenant to the Lord. I feel the need to again today. Because I know why we agree. Many of us agree with these things. And many of us, yes, even I, feel quite convicted by the word of the Lord today. Quite challenged. It will do us no good to just say, wow, man, was I convicted. Wow, you're right, Lord. 
That's not going to do you any good. You've got to act on that. And it starts today with a covenant, with a commitment. Saying, Lord, I've heard you speak to me today. And I'm going to take a step towards obedience. So I'm going to commit this week to carve out some time every day to be still and quiet before you. To bring you my to-do list. To bring you my burdens, my worries, my fears. And to talk to you about them and, and, and lay them at your feet and ask for wisdom and, and direction and, and just be still. And, and listen, you don't have to talk all the time. Lay your cares at the Lord. Bring your to-do list. Bring whatever it is that bothers you. Just lay it before Him and just sit and be still and quiet or open His Word and just read. But you can't just be still and quiet. Practice being still and quiet. Some every day this week. And I'm going to ask you to start simply. Some of you are already doing this. So for you, this is, this is like, why is he even talking about that? I'll do that anyway. Okay, that's good. But realize that you're in the minority. Realize I'm not talking to you then. Sorry. <laughs> but maybe God's asking you to carve out some more time. I'm talking to those who don't or who are very minimal in this. Start with 15 minutes a day. That's a very small portion of 24 hours. But just start there. Could you start today by saying, Lord, every day I'm going to commit right now to take a simple step, 15 minutes. That means I'm going to have to get up 15 minutes earlier or I'm going to have to stop doing something that I normally do, get off my cell phone, my computer, television, whatever, and, and spend 15 minutes. And I just want to be still and be quiet. You might be praying, you might be reading the Bible, but I want to encourage you as part of that to learn how to just not do anything but just to listen. Now listen, I'm not talking about clearing your mind and letting anything, anybody speak. No, that's transcendental meditation and that's of the devil. I'm talking about clearing your mind and your heart and focusing it on God. Or maybe a scripture verse or promise of God. And learning how to just block out the world. You may even put, you can put earplugs in, block out the world. Close your eyes if you have to and just be still. Just listen. We hate quiet, don't we? Makes us uncomfortable.